Hey guys, it's Michael from Inside the 18. Want to let you all know we had some audio issues with the podcast we recorded yesterday. So instead, we're going to be releasing this interview we did with Rail Salt Lake goalkeeper coach Todd Hofford on clean handling a few weeks back. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. He talks about the differences between pairing a ball, when to contain a ball, those sorts of things. And we're going to keep working on the audio issues from the podcast this week, and we'll get that one out to you soon. But until then, enjoy Todd, and we'll see you soon. Thanks. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid. With me is no Patrick McLean, no Omar Zini, no Trevor Stiles. None of the, all the favorites that you guys have, have loved for the last few, few months. But we do have a returning guest um, who was able to volunteer his time in the middle of his daughter's room uh, to talk some goalkeeping with us. We got Todd Hofford from Real Salt Lake. Todd, what's up, man? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Dude, uh, I'm excited. I, every time we have you on, we always learn so much. Uh, you're such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to goalkeeping. And also, apparently, a wealth of knowledge into how to uh, rebuild a basement. How's that going? It's, it's gone. Um, it, it, the, the biggest problem is just trying to find the time. You know, in and around the MLS season, especially this time of year, uh, sometimes the basement gets put on the back burner because there's other things that are more important. But it, it's getting there. You know, I'm a little bit of a handyman. I enjoy it. It's kind of my escape away from things. So I can get down there and beat up on some stuff, build some things, and listen to some heavy metal. So it's, it's just a little getaway. You got heavy metal going on while you're about do you, now. Do you have heavy metal playing at the RSL goalkeeper training sessions? Unfortunately, no. If I had my way, I definitely would. I'd always have a little Queen, a little Metallica, something along those lines banging in the background. What, what would the guys want, like Ochoa and putting on stuff like hip hop or something? Like that going on? <laughs> yeah. With this young generation, you never know what they might want to have on. But uh, I think Nikki and I would definitely take. Uh, well, Nikki's Nikki's a little bit of a. Uh, music aficionado so he'd probably like a wide variety of different music but uh, the younger guys they definitely want all the hip-hop and all that oh that's right that's like that's like a big thing in his life right like his music music's like a huge thing in his life we need to we need to talk to him about that sometime after uh well i know he's a little busy right now finishing playing his playing career which has what been what like 20 years or something like that just yeah it's incredible. I mean, and he's, he's done really, really well. Uh, he manages his body just incredibly. So it uh, makes my job very easy. Yeah. Well, speaking of your job, uh, before we get to that, I want to just thank all the people out there who've been rate reviewing and subscribing to the show. Uh, we're getting close to 100 reviews right now, which is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, honestly, a lot of the, uh, the episodes that have been really highly ranked are like the ones with Todd Hofford, for instance, because, uh, you know, they see Todd and they say, hey, you know, there's like Nick Raimondo right there, but who's this other guy? We don't know who this guy is, but he seems to know a lot about goalkeeping. We want to see this guy back. So people have been, uh, been saying good things about you, man, and they've been checking out your sessions online and all that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome with the goalkeeper union, how we just all kind of connect and, you know, we're all willing to share, or at least the good ones are willing to share their information. And, uh, and give it back to others. Well, well I appreciate it. It's, uh, I try not to, to make the position very, very difficult. I try to make it as easy as possible. Uh, it's something that I enjoy doing, and, um, you know, I believe in it. And, and thankfully, some of the guys that work with me, you know, they believe in it too. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's really what it's all about. So, you know, really quickly, let's kind of go into today's topic. So today's topic basically was going to be clean handling. And the reason I wanted to have Todd on here is because uh, I think it was back in February, we went to an MLS preseason session that you did. And uh, both Omar and I were just blown away at how simple and clean it was. Uh, even with these big time pros, you know, you were out there and you were keeping things simple. 
And a lot of times out there, people have been asking us, you know, they're like, what are the best sessions we can do for handling? And, you know, how do we keep things simple? You know, and do you have to get make things so complicated the higher levels you go? And because we've been getting so many listener questions on this, I was like, you know what? We just need to devote a whole topic to this one day. And honestly, it's such a monster topic. I don't even know if an hour is enough time to talk about handling. But uh, I, I think we might as well just try to give it a shot. So first off, let's just start off with the very simple basics for people out there, maybe some parents listening who might not be familiar with goalkeeping as much as us goalkeeping nerds. Uh, what is clean handling as opposed to like dirty handling? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think for me, I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of becoming a lost art. Uh, it really is just catching and holding ball and, and clean handling to me is, is trying to catch everything, catch everything really, really clean, cleanly, um, without bobbling a ball, without dropping a ball. Uh, for me, uh, I look at it like this. If, if you're carrying a ball down to try to catch it again, you've essentially made two saves. Well, if you've made one and now you bobble it, there's another opportunity to for the opponent to score so if you're able to hold it in one one clean save um, and a lot of that I think revolves around being very very technically clean uh, you know having good hand shape having good body shape you know there's a lot of things that kind of go into that but at the end of the day can you hold the ball uh, and give the opponent a lot less opportunities I like the fact that you brought up as can becoming a lost art because in a, a lot of people, they say, well, you know, it's the ball. It's the ball's just, it's changing so much. And I'm sure you will attest a lot of it does have to do with the ball and, and the physics of the ball and the way the ball apparently makes moves now that it, it, it knuckles the way it never used to and yeah. everything like that. But do you find that, especially even at the professional level, do you find that as a valid excuse or do you think that's just an excuse? Um, I, I think it is a valid valid point you know the ball has definitely changed from the time that you know when I was growing up it was a very heavy dense ball to now you know I think it was probably starting a little bit before that Jubilani we all remember the Jubilani that that basically fell out of the sky um, and the ball has def definitely changed the technology of the ball has has changed so it, it knuckles more it's lighter it's got a lot of spin on it it all is to benefit the outfield player and to scoring goals but that's not to say that our technique can change a little bit to adapt as that ball is, is changing, you know, and I, I look at, you know, just mere, merely catching a ball back in the day, they used to teach the old fashioned W. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't catch a ball in the W any longer because the technology of the ball has changed. So we've had to evolve our hand position. So in, instead of being the old fashioned W this way, we've gotten our fingertips a little bit more on the top of the ball. So you're not really in a W shape in it, maybe a very, very minor W, um, but you're just trying to get more of your hands behind the ball and you're trying to catch it with more of a contour. Um, I look at it as, you know, trying to keep your wrists straight. So if you got a bend in your wrist, all of a sudden now you become weak, just like a two by four, if it's or uh, something that's bent or broken, you know, it's not, it loses its strength. Or if we can keep a straighter wrist, now our fingers are going to be more on top of the ball. All right. And now we've got strength in that hand. So Let's that's kind of the way that I teach it and look at it. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about wrist strength for a second. And I think that's something that's lost a lot of times. And I work on this with my goalkeepers all the time is, is that forearm strength and that wrist strength. Because if you have weak wrists, you're going to have trouble handling a ball with pace, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because every time the ball kind of hits your hands, if you have a weak wrist, it's going to constantly kind of tilt backwards. You know, and again, that gives that break in that wrist. Yeah, because you, know, you really don't want 
And I, so, so many times, like I'll, I'll be like at the gym or, and I'll see like some of my older goalkeepers and I'll see them, you know, just like doing like bench press or whatever, or doing curls and stuff like that. And I'm like, mm, you know what, maybe that's not where you should be spending all your time. I, I mean, I know there are other things in the world other than just goalkeeping. And, you know, there's other tasks that I'm sure you're performing that you'd, uh, that you'd like to use those, those muscles for. But, uh, but honestly, like, I, I think that it's something that, that kids need to really re- recognize and like, so what, like, what things do you, are there any things you do at the professional level to help with, help with wrist strength? Like, do you do med ball work or do you do like forearm strength work with like the ropes or that sort of stuff? Yeah, not, uh, we will occasionally look at or work with like the medicine balls. You know, I particularly like the quick goal medicine ball, not the ones you find in like the big gyms that are like the size you know, a foot round or anything like that. But the, the quick goal one is a great one because it's actually the size and feel of a size five ball. And it looks exactly like one only it's got a little bit of weight to it. So uh, I like to utilize those not on a daily basis, but every once in a while, just to kind of, you know, throw them in there. Uh, I'm also a proponent at the younger levels of, of a wide variety of size balls. So like tennis balls, size four, size threes, the little jugglers, you know, because uh, if, if you try to catch a, a juggler ball with the old fashioned W it's hitting you in the nose. Yeah. You really got to make sure you're getting your hands behind the ball. So I like to use a lot of those different things, you know, and throwing in the medicine ball, throwing in a tennis ball, throwing in, like I said, the juggler balls, the size threes, the size fours, as well as a size five. If, 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 if it's age appropriate. You should, uh, you should, in one of your sessions with the, with, with the, with the younger Academy kids is you should throw in like one of the old school, like 1950s soccer balls, like with like the white string, like leather, uh, laces and just like, just see like what happens. Like, will they, they literally just fly through the goal because that thing's what 20 pounds. Like it's just unreal. Those guys used to play without gloves. That blows my mind. Like how, how could you possibly do that? Um, I know. I, I want to talk about body shape for a second. You were mentioning it earlier in, in your introduction to clean handling. I think it's something that a lot of people don't look at. They keep yelling at kids. And first off, again, I'm, I'm not a proponent about yelling. I think there's a, there's a difference between giving constructive criticism and one where you're just being just, you know, thinking like, wow, well, this is how my coach used to be with me. So like, this is going to help me. Like, no, it's, it's, you know, you need to make sure that it's a way that's going to be positive and it's going to be encouraging. Um, a lot of people, they just go, well, you catch the ball. Catch, it's not that hard. It's catch the ball. But a lot of it starts with your body shape. If your body shape is in a negative position or in too rigid of a position, it's really difficult to catch the ball, right? It is. I mean, body shape's almost, it's, it's, it's everything, especially when you're looking at balls that are played to you, say, waist and below. Your body shape is critical. If you've, and I was just working with a young player the other day, not, not part of our cell, just you know, on the side, some friends of mine, um, you know, working with him and he was having some difficulty with kind of that low shot right at his feet, you know, and going into that, that front smother and his body shape was very up and down as he, uh, would try to collect it. And the ball just kept either popping up above his head or bouncing straight back to me. And I was, I was trying to explain to him if it's all about geometry, you know, the angle of your body shape has got to be up over top of that ball. So if you do mishandle it, your body shape is going to put that ball back down in front of you on the, on the floor. Now you're in control of it. So if your body shape is like at a 90 degree angle with the ground and it hits you, it can bounce up, it can bounce out, it can go all over and you've totally lost control of any rebound or any time you do mishandle it. So I use the example of, and, and again, this analogy 
when you're dealing with young players, they'll get it and they'll start to laugh. I'm like, do you guys like to con- control the remote when you're at your house? And of course they all want, they all want to be in control of that room. So do I, I want to control the remote control when I'm watching the TV. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you want to be a control freak. You want to have control of everything, whether you're holding something, whether you're not going to hold something. Well, now you want to be in control of, okay, well, if I do mishandle this, where am I going to control it to? Am I putting the ball out for a corner kick? Am I putting it over the bar? Or am I just putting it right down in front of me where now I can make a second save if I need to? Because so you're that, saying, you're saying uh, not to interrupt you or anything like that, but you're trying to say is that steering is part of handling because a lot of people look at it as two different art forms. They say, oh, well, steering the ball, that's, that's, a, that's a last second decision as opposed, to, as opposed to you're saying that that's actually part of handling. It's, it's part, in my opinion, yeah, because yes, I, in an ideal situation, I want to be able to catch that ball, regardless if it's shot low on the floor, if it's shot at my face, wherever it is, I want to be able to hold it in one safe if I can. But there's going to be times, whether it's pace, whether I'm not quite set, there are a lot of different variables that maybe I can't hold that ball cleanly on the first time. Well, in those instances, I block the ball and now I really don't have any control where it's going to go. And now I've got to deal with something where I'm kind of out of control. I want to be able to control where so that I'm able to deal with it a little bit easier and make that second save if I need to. But ultimately I don't really want to have to make a second save if I don't need to. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I mean, why would you want to have to do more work? Although for whatever reason, a lot of people do because it just, it looks more exciting and they go like, look at every, everybody see. And I'm just like, I mean, look, there's guys in MLS who I'm like, I'm kind of convinced like they want to make that second to third save just because it yeah. looks good. Uh, well, and I'm not going to call it names, but you know. Yeah. And you get, and I've had this question, you know, proposed to me so many times from parents, you know, of, of young goalkeepers, yeah. you know, and like, oh, well, Johnny or Sarah, you know, that they make 20, 30 saves a game. And I'll kind of start laughing and they'll be like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, Johnny or Sarah is probably a terrible goalkeeper, you know? And they'll kind of look at me like I've got six heads. I'm like, well, how many shots did they face? Well, maybe, you know, 10 or so. I'm like, yeah, because if you face 10 shots, you should make 10 saves. They're probably making 20 saves off of 10 shots. Means one shot, they've had to make one save or block a shot. Now they've got to make a second save. Now maybe they have to make a third save because they're not catching and holding. So that's not goalkeeping. That's shot stopping. I said the, the goalkeeper is going to face 10 shots and they're going to make 10 saves. That's it. The top level goalkeeper might eliminate that to six or seven shots because now they're organizing everything in front of them that they don't have to face a shot. So my big deep dark secret in goalkeeping is eliminate opportunities before they ever become them. That, in my opinion, that's the only secret of goalkeeping. If you can eliminate an opportunity, whether it's off of a shot and not having a second one, a second opportunity, that's, that's good goalkeeping. If you're able to organize your back four in front of you, come out, maybe cut out a through ball, cut out a cross, before it ever becomes a shot, that's very, very good goalkeeping. You're, you're a top-level goalkeeper if you're doing that. Otherwise, you're just, you're just a shot stopper. But that's, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of times when you watch the highest levels – you're like, oh, well, you know, De Gea or Oblak, they only faced three shots, you know, this game. Mm-hmm. And that's just because they're at such a high level from an or- – obviously, they've got a very strong back line in front of them too. Uh, well, maybe not Manchester United. But Atletico has a very strong back line in front of him uh, at Oblak. And, um, you know, 
they are able to anticipate these situations before they happen. And what you're talking about, that anticipatory process also helps in the handling aspect because now you're putting the shots to be breaking towards you or breaking into spaces where you are going to be able to handle them clean as opposed to have to deal with that big time top corner save because you've eliminated Correct. that opportunity, that, that option. Correct. Yeah. And, and handling cleanly is all is, is angle position, you know, an angle play and putting yourself in the right spot. So you have to make maybe a more simple save as, as opposed to what you were just saying, being in the wrong position and now have to make a floundering diving save, you know, so, and, and then, uh, and all this kind of ties in together, you know, it's your angle play, your movement, your body shape, uh, communication, you know, you're communicating with your people in front of you to allow yourself to, or put yourself, I should say, in a situation to make the easiest, simplest, safe possible. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you found this, but I found this, you know, working with younger kids is that let's just say, I don't want to say the, le- the, the least athletic because that's, that's mean to them, but let's just say they're not as highly developed athletically at that age or you know, maybe they don't have some of those God-given natural gifts like you know, speed, strength, that, that sort of thing, power, are the best handlers because they have to be. They don't have an option. And they, they're also very clean with their footwork in order to get themselves set to be able to handle that ball cleanly. So let's talk a little bit about footwork and how that plays into handling the ball. Because if your footwork is off, you're not going to be able to hold that ball clean. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the old adage is, I don't care how good your hands are if your feet can't get you to the ball. You could have the best hands in the world and never drop a ball. But what if the ball's five feet from where you're standing? If your feet can't get you to that point, it doesn't matter how good those hands are. So footwork, for, for me, we do a ton. And you, and you saw it in February. You know, that's kind of like a daily, everyday set type of session for myself. I mean, yeah, there's things that we stem from, but that's kind of the core. And in my opinion, that's the core of goalkeeping, footwork and handling. You know, how quickly can you move your feet, get set, get your body into the right shape, and catch a ball clean? Uh, I, I want some goalkeeper coaches out there who are listening to this to hear that because Todd was doing this with MLS goalkeeper coaches. And for those of you guys who are running your, you know, and I'm not trying to defeat anybody's, you know, U19 sessions or JC sessions or whatever, and you think that you need to put all these different bells and whistles into it just because the kids are older, doesn't, doesn't, the game doesn't change. The game's the same. So, and that's what I really liked about your session. Yeah. And it, it, it is the same. And, you know, I look at it, you know, I know our sports, not a big uh, percentage and numbers type of sport, but if you do look at the percentage of, of saves that a goalkeeper makes, I mean, you take the dealing with your feet out of it because the majority of the touches a goalkeeper makes is going to be like 80-some percent is going to be dealing with the ball at their feet at all levels. Out of that, we'll say for even numbers, the other 20%, about 80% of that is going to be balls that are right in and around their body. A very, very small fraction of the percentage of the saves that we're going to have to make are going to be diving saves. And yet, every time you go to the training field and you watch a goalkeeper session, how much diving is that young goalkeeper doing? The majority of their training is diving after a ball. So if that's the case, and we, and we always, you always hear about muscle memory with, with goalkeepers. If the muscle memory is always diving, 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 
By the way, the guys, that that wasn't like a like a, a an error in the podcast right there. That was literally Todd just repeating <laughs> diving over and over again because that's how repetitive it comes. It it does, and what happens is now a simple shot comes. What's the what's that young goalkeeper's body trained to do? Dive, as opposed to what we were talking about earlier. Just move your feet and catch the ball, and you're still remaining on your feet so i think it's a big it's and again that's i'm not trying to say we don't do diving in our sessions yes we have to do, do diving but i see way too many times at the youth level uh you know and i'll go ask goalkeepers all the time like how much diving do you guys do in your training oh we do a lot okay well how much diving do you do in your games mm, not not too many times okay well do, does, does that make sense then shouldn't you be the, the higher percentage of saves that you make, which is going to be in and around your body, shouldn't that be the majority amount of training you're doing on the, in the training field as opposed to the opposite? You know, 80% of the saves they'll make in training are diving saves, and yet 80% of the train or the saves they're going to have to make in a game are not diving saves. No. So it, it doesn't seem to match up. And I think, that, I think if I could say anything to a lot of uh, young goalkeeper coaches out there, don't stress so much on the diving aspect. Stress, move your feet, and catch the ball clean. I think one of the reasons why that, that, that's out there, and, and I'm, again, I'm just hypothesizing here, you know, based on just the variables I've seen out there, is that a lot of parents and DOCs don't know anything about goalkeeping, and if they don't see the kids diving and jumping around, they feel like they're not working hard. And they want, they'll go find another goalkeeper coach who will, who may not necessarily know what they're doing, but they're getting a workout. And that's, that's in their mind, that's, and sometimes it's a cultural thing is they think working, the harder the kids working, you know, the better a goalkeeper they're becoming, as opposed to really thinking about what the needs of the position. Um, It's really fascinating what you just said in regards to how often do you dive? I was just thinking about my men's game last Thursday and it's a very high level men's league you know I I'd self-deprecate myself a lot on this this podcast but I, it's a pretty good level and um I think I dove twice in that game mm-hmm. and probably faced six six shots um and not to say that those other shots were simple but they didn't require a you know full-on push off and explode to dive to make those saves you know they mm-hmm. required quick lateral movement uh, they required, you know, quick reflexes, those sort of things, because the bubble, if you've got your angles covered, the bubble is where most likely you're going to be making those saves. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the arm swing. I just want to, oh no, unless there's something you wanted to say right there before that. No, I, I think okay. you, summed, you summed it up pretty, pretty well there. I mean, you know, I just can't stress enough that it's just, you know, move your feet, catch the ball and do less diving. I think that should be the Todd Hofford motto. Just move your feet, catch the ball. <laughs> every time, every time uh, I watch an MLS session now, I'm just going to think, move your feet, catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's talk about the arm swing. Uh, it's become very popular. Manuel Neuer made it very popular you know, a while back. And first off, I want to bring up something on this podcast is that Manuel Neuer is a freak. And I don't mean freak as in a negative standpoint. As I mean, he's a freak of nature as in like, there's not a lot of people built like Manuel Neuer who are as athletic as Manuel Neuer and understand and can read the game like Manuel Neuer. So what works for Manuel Neuer might not work for, you know, Johnny who's 5'8", 110 pounds, you know. So uh, you have to kind of look, look at that mm-hmm. in, into play as well too. So can you explain the arm swing for those of the, out there who don't understand what I'm talking about and why it's so prevalent? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it, especially the Germans, you know, I think it stemmed from back in the old German videos, you know, they would use that kind of big arm swing to get into a set and ready position. If that's what, you, that's what I look at as I presume that's what you're, you're yes, that's exactly what I'm referring to. Yeah. Referencing, uh, um, you know, they use it kind of like a momentum swing to kind of get yourself into that, that set and ready position. Uh, and that was a very, very big German, you know, and I was growing up and watching the German training videos and, and that was all about jump up, get set. Um, it's to each his own, you know, what I, would I necessarily teach that probably not. Um, I like for a goalkeeper to just quickly get set as quickly as they possibly can and get their hands in the right shape. If they're able to do that with an arm swing, awesome. (laughs) If they don't need the arm swing, that's awesome too. You know, and, and kind of touching what you said a little bit earlier there's a lot of different body types. There's a lot of different body shapes. There's a lot of different types of goalkeepers with a variety of different types of athleticism and what works for one might not work for another. You know, I think what you were referencing with Manuel Neuer um, being a little bit different is kind of the same way like Peter Schmeichel was. I mean, Peter Schmeichel was a phenomenal goalkeeper, one of my all time favorites, but I don't think I would ever teach a kid to be a goalkeeper like Peter Schmeichel because he was the one goalkeeper probably in the world at that time that could play like he did uh, based on, you know, the attributes that he had. Um, So am I a big proponent of the arm swing? Uh, I'm not necessarily say I would go out on the limb and say I'm a big proponent, but I'm not sure if I would say that I'm not a proponent of it either. You know, I think it all depends on that individual and what's going to get them into that, that set, that ready position uh, and get their hands in the right spots to be able to handle balls cleanly. But if it the, takes a little arm swing, hey, fair, fair enough. My, my only concern with the arm swing is that at the end of the day, the shape has to be forward before the ball gets yeah. to you. So if your shape is still in the negative, you're not going to be able to handle that ball cleanly. So you got to make sure that that arm swing is early enough that you're in that set yes. once that ball gets to you. And, well, and that's the key, I think. And you know, what you're saying right there is whether you utilize it or not, as long as you're in the right shape, when the ball's struck, you're able to deal with it. It's kind of like a golf swing. You know, I, I come from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and one of the big golfers from my area is Jim Furyk. Well, Jim Furyk has one of the ugliest golf swings in the history of golf, and yet he's one of the top golfers in the world. You know, what he does up and around in his backswing is, is a bit crazy, but when he gets to impact, it looks just like Tiger Woods or any other golfer that's out there. Wow. So – it's it's kind of the same thing. You can do kind of whatever you want to do with your arms in a swing or whatever, but when it's time to actually get your body in that set and ready position, it's got to be there. And if it's behind or in front, it, it, it just has to be in the right spot. So. so let's talk about that. Now we've gotten set, whether we did an arm swing, whether we just kept our body forward, whatever works best for us. Now we're set for the shot. There's so many different types of ways to put your hands. I've seen so many goalkeepers in so many different types of positions. Um, let's go through some of these hand positions and, and are there any specific hand positions that you would recommend more than others? And again, again, as a lot of what we're talking about is like, it's what feels comfortable to you, but there is a little bit of, of physics involved in this. And, and, and like you're talking about with the math, the whole math element of, you know, at some point the hands have to get over the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with, with hand position, again, it kind of goes, uh, I don't, I don't think there's any cookie cutter. Your hands have to be here. Um, but in general, 
I think your hands, you know, they used to call it back in the day, a gunslinger position, you know, like the old cowboy, you know, wild west, you know, gunslinger, you know, where your hands are kind of out in front of your hips a little bit, you know, obviously we're not, you know, dangling our fingers like, you know, like they used to do in the, in the wild west movies. And, uh, but having them kind of about waist height or just above your quads and kind of out in front of you a little bit, I think is somewhere in and around that range is, is about where you need them. Uh, I, I definitely don't think they need to be around your knees. I see sometimes, you know, young goalkeepers will be set and they'll be bent and hunched over and their hands are down around their kneecaps. And then the next one, they're standing upright and they look like they're Frankenstein, you know, or I call them piano player hands, you know, where their, their hands are or Fantasia hands, you know, where they're just straight uh, up, straight up in front of you. Like they're, they're straight about to, up in front of them. They're going to do a spell on you or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I mean, I've seen the gauntlet of a lot of different ways and I think you kind of have to have that happy medium, you know, your, your, your balls in your front of your, you're on the front of your foot and your the balls, of your feet. Uh, you've got a little slight bend to you. You know, you're, you're bent over a little bit. Your chest is above your, in front of your knees. And I think your hands have to be somewhere around that, that waist to quad height in a set and ready position, kind of out in front of you a little bit. I've seen some really interesting hand positions, but one thing that I've, I've really been trying to, to work on, especially when I'm talking about with younger goalkeepers, and, and I actually over-exaggerate the forward position of the hands with younger goalkeepers because they have such a tendency to be behind them themselves or, 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 or in a negative position that I, I say, well, even if it's too forward, at least they're going to start developing that neuromuscular response of always staying forward. Yeah. And eventually they'll find that kind of that, 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 that ground where, where they feel comfortable, you know, whatever that position is for them. Yeah. Um, do you feel but, that that's a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I, th- I think you are right, but I think okay. you also have to be very, very careful of how far in front. Okay. Uh, for example, I went with a couple of the youth national teams a couple of years ago and, and like, you know, a bunch of the goalkeepers, I, they look like downhill skiers standing at the gate where their, their arms were so far out in front of them. Um, you know, that like their elbows, if you can imagine extending your elbows, their, their elbows were almost protruding six to eight inches out in front of their, their chest, which puts their hands, you know, further out in front there. So again, it looks like they're standing at the gates as a downhill skier. Yeah. I'm like, and I was like, who is teaching this? You know, there's no way they, they, it might be great if the ball struck right at you. Yeah. But what happens now you actually do have to go down to the right or down to the left because of the starting position of your hands being so protruded out in front of you. Um, you're not going to be able to be able to get to that low ball. So there has to be a little bit of a happy medium. I think, yes, I definitely think you want to be on the front side and, and leaning forward and, and out and about, but I don't, I think you can go too far where now you're, you're kind of detrimental to some other different types of, of balls that you got to be able to handle and deal with. So let's talk about elbow lock. Um, some, some goalkeepers are, I've noticed are very rigid in regards to their shape forward and some are a little bit more protruded with their elbows. And in regards to it's more of an L shape, uh, what do you prefer? I like just being relaxed. I, okay. I think the word that, that I use uh, that I don't think in my, again, in my opinion is not used enough in goalkeeping is relax. Okay. Um, you know, cause anytime you say protrude your arm out and it becomes stiff well, anything that's stiff, you're not moving very quickly. You know, the minute you relax, you know, and I was working with, again, and with another, there's a couple of kids that I work with kind of on the side here outside of RSL. 
you know, and I've actually got them exhaling. When they see me actually going in to strike a ball, I actually have them exhale. Because anytime you exhale, what automatically happens, you relax your muscles. It's just instantaneously. I've been doing that ever since I saw you you doing that. Actually, I saw you. I don't want to put a goalkeeper on blast, but let's just say he's a very high-level national team youth goalkeeper that I saw you working with. And, uh, and, and you gave him that note, and I saw the difference just night yeah. and day. Night yeah. and day. And I took yeah. that back, and I was like, wow, this is incredible. I wish I had known this. Maybe I would have played an MLS if I had known this. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, it, and it just relaxes your body. You know, and it's this kind of same thing we were talking about, your elbows. Just relax your arms. Now, that's not saying that you relax them so much they're just dangling by your side, you know, but they're just, you know, they're there. They're there as opposed to being very, very stiff and rigid. So let's talk about now, let's say the shot. So, by the way, one, one thing that, that, that actually I learned from Omar, which I thought was actually really fascinating, is that he would always, he was taught that always expect a ball to be coming directly at you. And then when the line breaks, then you can react to that rather than, anti- rather than dealing with, you know, you have a feeling that a shot's going to go another direction and then you're already moving in, in that way. And I was like, that was actually really profound. Um, a lot of times, obviously, a ball will be coming into your bubble, but it'll drop or it'll, it'll you know, be misread or whatever. And now you have to go into a collapse of some sort. Uh, what's your advice to, to handle balls cleanly in a collapse? Because a lot of goalkeepers have trouble handling the ball in the collapse. They, they either push the ball away or they slap it down or they, it bounces off them and they give up that, that, that second ball goal, which all the, you know, my favorite is that all the youth coaches, they always go like, ah, man, you just catch the ball. And then the parents go like, well, at least he made the save, you know, uh, which is always my favorite part. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that goes with the trend of today. The trend is just, is blocking. You know, that seems to be the, the big thing these days, just blocking balls uh, as opposed to making that simple save. So uh, with a collapse, I always look at it like this. You have to be able to collapse dive before you can ever power dive. So you got to be able to make that simple, simple save because if you're unable to collapse, which gets, is getting your body in the right shape, getting your hands in the right shape, getting your foot underneath you to just take that ball and absorb it down in a nice, simple collapse dive. If you're unable to get your body into that shape, how can you ever get it in the shape where now I actually have to push and explode and go into the top corner? So I think the collapse is definitely something you got to master first. Um, You know, and I think at the youth level, you know, doing it with a ball where it's not even served, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, anytime you're, you're struggling with something, strip away all the pressure. Well, a lot of the pressure for a young goalkeeper in dealing with the collapse is the serve, is actually catching the ball. Because what are they worried about most? Landing with the ball. So putting them in a situation where the ball's already in their hand, and now maybe it's starting from their knees, and they got to just, boom, put the ball down, break your fall. Now, gently, let's get them up into um, a standing position. And now you're taking your step, boom, down. And now start to incrementally put the pressure back into it. You know, no, I'm glad that you brought up the absorption because uh, Ian Foyer calls it the kill, uh, the mm-hmm. kill of the ball, because that's one of the problems that I see with a lot of young goalkeepers is they don't, for lack of a better term, kill or absorb the ball. And because of that, the, the pace of the ball I, I basically takes them over, uh, overpowers them. 
And, and so now they're not in control of the ball, but the ball's in control of them. And that's when they flounder and that's yep. when they spill the ball. Yep. Yep. Well, and it's funny because uh, I've, I've done this over the last couple of years. You know, if you're doing a, a session with some young kids and you know the moms and dads are standing around and I'll, I'll actually joke, I'm like, like, okay, dads, you listen, moms, you turn away and don't listen to what I'm about to say. Cause I'll say, I'll say, what's more important, you or the ball? The ball's more important than you are. And you know, all the moms are like, well, no, no, no. My little Johnny, my little Sarah, they're more important. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. the ball's more important because if you take care of the ball and you do everything technically clean to take care of that ball, your body's automatically going to be safe because part of our technique is keeping our body safe. So what, what Ian uses, which I'm going to steal, by the way, uh, killing the ball or what, what I was brought up on, use the ball to break your fall, which I like kill better. I like, I like that terminology. I'm going to, to text you. I'm going to steal that from him. Uh, but, but that's the, that is the case. You know, you let the ball, the ball has no feelings. It's not going to bleed. It's not going to scream. Use the ball to break your fall. It just, that'll take all the, the pressure off. Um, but I think you have to almost get that experience from that young goalkeeper and take that fear out of them with not even have to take the pressure out. Don't worry about catching it. Just kill the ball first. Learn how to kill the ball. Take it down. Take it down. Take it down. Okay, now you're into a little collapse, and you got to catch it. Now kill the ball. Okay, so once, once they've made contact with the ball and they're going down for the absorption of the ball or the kill of the ball, do you feel that it's better for a goalkeeper to extend that ball out or to pocket that ball in or tuck it in, as some goalkeeper coaches have, have been saying lately? Uh, I, I'm never one to like, are you talking like bring it into like what you call like the bread basket or whatever? Yeah, like exactly. In section? Yeah. I'm not, because a big, some, yeah. I'm not a big proponent of that. And, and here's the big reason why, you know, if all of a sudden I catch it and I bring it into my stomach and now I go to land, what am I landing on? The, yeah, I'm, you're landing I'm landing on my shoulder, my hip, my sides. Well, what's taking the brunt of the, of that momentum, my hip, my shoulder, whatever, something's going to give. So it goes back to what I said earlier. That ball has no feelings. The ball is not going to bleed. It's not going to scream. It's not going to get injured. Well, let the ball take the brunt of that momentum, your body weight, all that kind of thing coming down. So, so, so you're a big proponent of taking that, essentially the shoot of the hands towards the ball and letting that motion stop and basically the same thing as with a clean handle on your feet, you still have that buffer zone that's, stop, that's stopping. Okay. And then if the ball yep. spills, it ends up going into the bread basket anyway. It, yes. Ex yeah. Your, your body, your hand shape, you know, is going to, you know, funnel it into your, your chest, your midsection, whatever. But as well, you know, now you're actually catching a ball with three hands because yeah. the ground is going to be your third hand. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but I'd rather catch with three hands than two. I, I always tell kids that I always tell that the, the firmest hand you've got is the ground. I mean, and if mm -hmm. you can, you can anchor that ball, it's not going anywhere. And then they, they go like the ball is always rolling around. I said, well, if you were, your hand is on top and that's, that's another thing too, when it comes to, from a handling standpoint is that not just the hand shape, but the hand position, as we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. is where you actually hold that ball. And, you know, personally for me, when it comes to a collapse, is it's still the same clean handles of being on your feet. The only difference is that the, you know, the angle of your body has to change based on the flight of the ball. So now you're going down and now you're protecting that handle 
as opposed to staying high and then your essentially your third hand is that ground right there in case the ball drops and which you recover it there. If that made any sense audially, I don't know if anyone listening to this is going to know because I just did everything visually right now for Todd and he's like, yeah, I got it, but I don't know if any of you guys are going to understand it. So, um, um, uh, let's talk about wrist protectors and let's talk about finger protectors because it's, it's all the rage, you know, especially in the youth game today. Every kid's wearing 17 different layers of protection. I mean, I, I show up at especially at a rec field and I, I've, I, I, sw- I thought they're playing hockey. Like, it's just yeah. like, dude, what are you wearing out there? Um, but I, I've heard a lot of kids say, oh, you know what? When I took my finger savers out, it was easier for me to catch the ball. Um, that's not an uncommon experience I've got. And then I hear parents go, well, he can't take his finger protectors out because he's going to break his hands. Yeah. You know? which, so, so what are your feelings? Yeah, I, I laugh whenever I hear that. You know, here's my opinion on finger saves or finger protectors and spines, whatever you want to call them. It's a gimmick to charge a lot of money for a pair of gloves. You know, it's especially at the young ages. I mean, in, in all my pro years, I knew one goalkeeper, one goalkeeper that actually wore the finger saves or the spines or whatever. Um, the rest of them, even back in the day when they all looked like they were wearing them, they were specially made that didn't have them in them. Now the glove companies. Really? Have, yeah. Now the glove companies have gotten smart and they're all removable. But back when they first came out, they were, you couldn't remove them. So now you can actually, you know, take them in and out. But a lot of the, the goalkeepers back in the day, they would have them specially made without them because nobody liked them. Like I said, I only knew one goalkeeper that actually liked having those spines in them. And especially in the youth level, uh, I, I cringe every time I see a young goalkeeper with, with spines in their, their, their fingers and in their gloves. And for the biggest reason, you are unable to catch a ball. There's zero flexibility, especially for a young goalkeeper who doesn't have that finger strength to actually bend those fingers. So now they're essentially trying to catch a round ball with a straight flat palm because they're unable to actually bend that glove. And then you wonder why, why are they unable to catch? Well, they're unable to catch and hold balls because of those spines. So what you're actually thinking is going to be helping them you know, deal with injury or potential injury or whatever is actually being more detrimental because now they actually are unable to hold the ball because of the gloves. So uh, it's, it's, it's a big pet peeve of mine. Um, you know, I, I, and I'm sponsored by Aviata and they all have fingers, saves, spines, whatever you want to call them in. First thing I do as soon as I get my, my new shipment of gloves, take them out. They are all out with me. But before I even put my fing- my hands in them, those spines are out. I, I always try to stress this to parents because I take my finger savers out myself personally too. And I think one of the, the things that you brought up was a really great thing is the flat palm. If your fingers are rigid and, and your palm is flat, you're not going to be able to handle a ball cleanly because the, mm-hmm. the shape is just naturally going to bounce off. I get so many, especially when I do rec clinics where the kids just get frustrated and they go, I can't do this, I can't do this. And I say, take these gloves off. I said, oh, I'm going to hurt my hand. First off, that's another thing too, is I think we need to remove that fear to kids that if they, hit, if they catch a ball without gloves on, that they're going to break their hands. Because a lot of them, them think if they don't have gloves on, they're going to get hurt. Yeah. Not understanding. That's, yeah. At the end of the day, it's the hands that catch the ball, not the glove. Yeah. The gloves are there to help the cushioning uh, and yeah. the protection. But uh, Well, one lot- step further that I would even add to, to the spines is not, away from just the pure handling, what if you have to box a ball? 
you know, the whole thing with a box or a punch or however you want to des- describe it, you're relying on a flat surface to punch the ball. Well, if you've got spines in there, you never have a flat surface. You always have a rounded surface. So now that ball can go who knows where uh, once you actually make impact. At least without the spines in there, you're going to have the, f- the flat surface of your fist, the top of your, your fist, which is always going to be flat. Now you're actually going to make a good box and actually be able to direct where that, that box or punch is going to go. Plus, I think it hurts. I, I, I've tried boxing with, with the finger savers in, and it actually, actually hurts because the finger savers yeah. go into your, into your hands. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I've got like a spikes in there or something. Um, well, and that little piece of plastic, as much as every mom and dad thinks it's going to really help their kid, if, if, if that ball's struck and it hits that little piece of plastic, isn't going to help all that much. But that's gonna, it's gonna have a, it's gonna hurt your your wallet a lot because they're gonna charge you a lot more money for them. Well, every every finger injury I've had, and I've had quite a few finger injuries because I'm an idiot and I'm a goalkeeper and I do stupid things, has all been based on my hands were in, pro, in improper shape when I made contact with the ball, whether it was voluntary or involuntary. That's always been the case, mm-hmm. and it's always been either because the ball knuckled and it moved, and I, I ended up reacting, and my hands weren't in position right, or just sloppiness on my part because I wasn't ready for a shot. Those sorts of things, but uh, but that that all can be removed by just again just clean technique, clean technique, clean technique, and and just right. But last thing I'm going to say before I go off off my soapbox here is that sports there's risk in sports. And if you don't want to get hurt, don't play sports because there's risk in sports, but you know, there's a risk crossing the street, you know? So you gotta, you gotta take that into consideration. Um, all right, let's, let's move away from this before we get 17,000 emails from parents about this topic. Uh, let's talk about how much space there should be in the buffer zone between the body and the catch, because that's, that's up to a lot of debate with some people. Some people say you need to have at least, you know, a foot. Some people say just six inches is enough. What are, what are your feelings on this? Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't know if you can put an exact uh, amount, you know, say, Oh, it's gotta be six inches away from your chest or whatever. I think it's just gotta be a comfortable, comfortable amount of distance. Um, you know, you see a lot of young goalkeepers trying to catch balls when your hands are right up against their chest. Oh, that I, I think, worst. yeah, I think that's, you know, I made the example the other day to a young goalkeeper. It's, it's almost like if I, if I stand up against the wall, put my hands up against or above my head and put my hands up against the wall. And now I try to catch it. What's going to happen. The ball's going to bounce off my hands because I have no room to give at all because my the back of my hand is just going right into a brick wall that's essentially what you're doing if 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 you're putting your hands right up against your chest so there has to be a little bit of buffer room between your hands and your body you know is that going to be four inches maybe maybe six inches maybe eight inches i think it's going to be a little bit what's your comfort level uh depending on on the 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 specific goalkeeper, which again kind of goes back to that. There's no cookie cutter goalkeeper out there. We're not trying to train, train them in as clones because everybody's body shape athleticism is going to be a little bit different. So I think you have to be able to judge each goalkeeper kind of individually and figure out what's going to be most comfortable for them. Um, but again, I think you're probably looking at somewhere around that four to five inches to eight or nine inches out uh, away from your body. Once you start getting into now all of a sudden your arms are totally straight and almost locked in front of you. That's too far. You know, I think you want to have some sort of flex in your elbow. 
Um, but again, it's going to come down to what's, what's the comfort level for that individual goalkeeper. Yeah, I, I guess a lot of it, just Thibaut Courtois has, you know, what, a nine-foot wingspan. So he's going to, his buffer zone is going to be, his hands are going to be way farther out just because he's got longer arms. Right. You know, Correct. he's just, he's just going to have more, more space. You know, Nicky is, is built completely differently than Thibaut Courtois, mm-hmm. you know, and, and his buffer zone is going to be closer because his body's more compact. It's just yep. the way it is. So, yep. um, well, that, I mean, I think that's that makes so much more more sense than than trying to give a specific amount of and and I think that's a great thing about you, Todd, is that you're very realistic when it comes to goalkeeping. You're not about you got to do it my way. You got to do it based on chapter one, you know, article, you know, article three, you know, that says, you know, and and I my favorite thing is that it used to be that way very much with uh with some of the and I don't want to I'm not going to say the federation or the NSCAA or United Soccer Coach, whatever you want to. Okay, let's just say I've taken courses of. UEFA, whatever, in the past, and some people have been very much by the book, and I start thinking about like like the game isn't by the book because the yeah. game the game is sloppy itself. So the game is improvisation. So if you try to do everything by the book, you're never going to be able to make adjustments on the fly. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. Well, and what what happens if you're if you're doing something by the book and all of a sudden somebody throws another book at you? Yeah, you got to be able to be able to deal with it. Yeah. So, you know, you got to be a little bit flexible, you know, uh, with a lot of different variables, a lot of different situations, a lot of different types of goalkeepers, a lot of different types of personalities. So, you know, and, and all that kind of, I think, is the fun part of being a goalkeeper coach because you got to kind of take all that in and do what's best for one goalkeeper that might be a little bit different to the next goalkeeper, might be a little bit different to the next goalkeeper. To me, that's the fun part. So I want to talk about, the issue that a lot of goalkeepers have, especially youth goalkeepers, and we were talking about safety, you know, earlier, and I think this is also a safety concern that I, I at least for me with younger goalkeepers, is the tuck in. Uh, why do so many goalkeepers tuck their arms in uh, when when they try to control a ball? Are, are you talking about when they're when they're diving? You mean tucking it in and kind of like either either in a handle where they where they bring their, when they make contact with the ball, they try to bring everything, they're trying to bring their elbows in and try to tuck their body in or when they drop in a collapse and they roll in their elbows, you know, and and that's what I call the tuck in. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I think I kind of understand what you mean. Um, I could stand up and then everybody on the (laughs) podcast who's listening to the podcast can be like, did he really just get up or are they just doing that for comedic effect? They're like, Oh no, he did get up. Um, Yeah. The, the one the one thing that always bothered me with with keeping your elbows too close, you know, I always I always make the joke again. I'll go back to young kids because I think painting pictures for young kids helps them learn. Yeah, you know, and and I always call them T Rex saves. So because yeah, obviously a T Rex, you know, they're on. They got these little piddling arms, and well, yeah. if you put your elbows up up against the side of your body and you reach your hands out, you look like a T Rex. Yeah. You know, you have to have your elbows away from your body a little bit so you can actually absorb. Otherwise, you're like a T-Rex. And a good example of that is, you know, a T-Rex diving save. Well, we go to that potential injury. Now, all of a sudden, you're in, a, in that T-Rex, quote-unquote, position, and you go to dive. Well, now when you land on your side, where's that elbow? You're landing, you're rolling right into it. You're yeah. rolling right on that elbow, and all of a sudden, now you're getting a kidney punch you know, or, or your elbow caught right in the middle of your, your ribs. So again, it goes back to that safety. So when we're talking about clean handling, yeah, you have to have those elbows out a little bit and away from you. 
uh, whether it's diving, whether it's catching, so you can hold the ball cleanly. But again, it goes to the, what you were just referencing, the safety issue. You don't want to be diving with that elbow on your side, and now it's digging into your – because, again, it goes back to what I said, said earlier. What's more important, the ball or the goalkeeper? And it's the ball. It's the ball. It's the ball. But all of a sudden, now you dive in that T-Rex save, and now pain shoots through your body. Where does your mind start to think about? The pain shooting through your body. What does it forget about? What's secondary? The ball. The ball. And now the ball bobbles away because your mind's thinking about the pain. Where if you think about the ball first and you collect it and you come down properly, that pain doesn't shoot through your body. So it, it, it's kind of ties in together with you know, being able to hold the ball clean and keeping your body safe. Yeah, you know, this is something we didn't have an actually in the in the rundown, but I, I kind of want to bring it up with you because it's something that that I wish more young goalkeepers would watch is that when they watch professional level and they watch a professional handling session, how your goalkeepers handle shots with a lot of pace, but yet they're very clean with their containment and they're slow in their drop to contain the ball rather than trying to rush everything all at one motion. And right. kids, for some reason, seem to think the higher the pace, the faster they need to move. Yeah. The ball's already in their hand. Well, and I think it goes back to what we mentioned earlier about relaxed. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, uh, you think, oh, hurry, hurry, make that save. Go, go, get it, get it, get it, go, go, go. Well, as soon as you start to hear that, what does your body start to do? It starts to tense up. You know, and again, it should go the exact opposite. When you go to make a save, it should be exhale, relax, catch clean. And it's when you're catching it, if you go to absorb, say you're going into that front smother, I think you're 100% correct. You see kids go into that front smother, and it's like all of a sudden they kick their legs out, and whammo, they come flying down on the ground. No, stay on your feet. You know, you scoop it up and absorb the ball down calmly, almost like that ball's like an egg. You know, you would never launch yourself in midair and smash down on the ball because now, again, you're prone to injury. Because now all of a sudden that ball goes into your sternum, into your stomach. You lose, you lose your breath. Well, what's your mind thinking about? It's trying to breathe. What are you forgetting about? You're forgetting about that ball. What's more important? The ball's more important than you are. So it all kind of goes back to you got to make sure you're technically clean to be able to deal with that ball. And if, you're, if you have the ability to do that, your body stays safe. Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing because I feel like, and I want some young goalkeeper coaches out there to hear this, is that, a lot of times if I see a kid and they come to me for the first time and they're just like a hundred miles an hour at the very first service, I'm just like, okay, either they were in a training environment where they were basically, it was almost like they were playing in a video game and there was a time clock running down and they needed mm-hmm. to go as fast as possible to get all the reps done in the amount of time possible. Like they're doing CrossFit or something. Um, or, you know, or that in, or no one ever told them in their head that the game if you, if you move at that speed, then the game's going to move at that speed. And you don't want the game to move at that speed. You want the game to move at your speed, whatever your speed is, whatever your comfortable mm-hmm. speed is. Um, I think a lot of just mishandles is just because kids just get, and, and not even kids, but even adults, just they get ahead of themselves and they're moving faster than the game is actually moving. Mm-hmm. And the game is going to move fast. You know, and we're not going to have the ability to really slow down the game but what we do want to be able to slow down, slow down is when we're forced to react, how are we reacting to it? That's what we want to be very, very slow and not slow. We want to be quick, but under control. 
you know, and in a relaxed state, because now we're going to be actually be able to hold a ball. We're going to be able to, if we do have to parry it wide, we're putting it in the right spot. Um, and we're, we're un, under control of our entire body, which is what we need. Yeah. Now, before we go, Todd, because I thank you for first off for taking all this time. I mean, honestly, like we've almost been going an hour. I told everybody that's why we're just talking about handling in this episode because <laughs> this is a monster and, and it, it takes a while. And it sounds simple because it sounds like one of the easiest parts of goalkeeping, but there's a lot to it. So before we go, um, for our audience here, there's a lot of them are parents, you know, who are just learning the game. Um, or younger goalkeeper coaches who are trying to expand their understanding. Can you kind of walk us through a simple handling session you can do with your keepers at any level? Yeah, I mean, probably the simplest one that I can, um, you know, talk about is I call it box work. You know, we do a lot of box work. So if you can imagine like a three by three box uh, and you might, typically I'll put, the goalkeeper inside the box and we'll start off with simple volleys inside the box, you know, and just volleys right into them. Not right. a physical box, not like an actual cardboard. Not, box. not a cardboard box. Oh, okay. Like a box. Just making sure the audience gets, gets yeah. what you mean by that. Yeah. Set, out, set out cones on the ground, okay. you know, maybe a three by three box. Okay. Um, and it could be get outside the box and come right back in or get one foot outside the box. One foot stays in the box. Boom. Out in volley, out in volley the other side. Uh, it could be forward out of the box, backwards into the middle, backwards out of the box, get forward into the, so you're, you're working on all four sides. You're getting in, you're getting out, but always to a simple volley. So once they, they get out of the box, they got to come right back in it. Okay. Now it can be, all right, you go up to the top corner. So you're going forward on an angle and back into the box volley and again you can change your service it doesn't always have to be a volley it can be a half volley it can be what we call a skitter which is that little half volley right along the floor it can be a dipping ball that bounces in front of you can do a wide variety of different services um, but you could have literally four cones one ball and do 20 30 different exercises just within that box wow that's you know, amazing there's times where i'll put numbers on on the box you know one two three or four so now they have to react to an auditory signal. I'll say, you know, two. Now they've got to get to the number two cone, back to the middle, volley or dipping ball, whatever. Uh, so now they're, you're getting a little bit of that reaction type of thing. Uh, it could be get around the corner. You know, not always just to it. You know, get around it. It could be, all right, odds. Now you got to touch each odd number cone, get back to the middle, volley. You know, simple little things like that, um, but it's all revolved around handling and simple handling. And I put them in a three by three box because basically that's the little buffer zone in and around your body that we always want to be clean on. So it's that's, it's that's a really it's simple. Good point. And this is completely away from a goal, right? It's, yeah, you can have a goal behind you, but oftentimes nine times out of ten. I don't even do that. I'll actually set that up on the side with Nikki or, or Andrew or David or whoever uh, off on the side away from, from the actual goal. You can use it and you can do it in front of the goal if you really like, but you certainly don't need to. In fact, I think if I recall, we did something very similar to that when you were in Tucson yeah, and did. we were, we were off to the side of the goal. Yeah. 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 No, you were, you were off to the side of the goal. And I, I can't stress that enough to younger goalkeeper coaches out there or to parents out there who get upset when they see their goalkeeper coach, 
you know, working with their, with their goalkeeper, you know, outside of the goal. Again, I can't say this more times on this podcast. The goalkeeper doesn't play in the goal. We physically are not inside the goal. In fact, if your goalkeeper's in the goal, then, then you need to find another goalkeeper coach because that, we got bigger issues. <laughs> yeah, we got, <laughs> we got some bigger issues. Um, all right, Todd. Well, well, thanks for taking the time. Uh, before we go, uh, if anybody out there, I know you're really accessible um, out there, which is, I mean, for somebody at your stature to, to do that, that's really cool. Where's the best place people can reach out to you if, if they have any questions or if they're looking for advice or anything? Yeah, they can feel, feel free to give me a call. My, my email is really easy. It's Todd, T-O-D-D, at one-on-one soccer. That's uh, my, my, my camp business that I run. It's, it's all spelled O-N-E, O-N-O-N-E, soccer.com. So it's pretty easy. Yeah. And for those of you guys uh, in the Southern California area, we're actually trying to, uh, to work out a way to get Todd here in December. Uh, we're hoping to, uh, to have a nice little, uh, nice little inside the 18 live show and, uh, and a nice little clinic with Todd. So you can see the, uh, the box session for yourself in person. So that's right. Yeah. And th- I love doing that kind of stuff. So, you know, I don't get a chance to, to teach as much during the MLS season, you know, we're, we're constantly preparing for the next game. Uh, but I truly, truly enjoy the, the teaching aspect of it. And I look forward to the opportunity of coming out there or anybody else has any other areas around the country that want me to come during the off season. I'm always more than willing. Yeah. Reach out to Todd. I mean, he's, he's down to go anywhere, probably somewhere warm uh, during the off season. <laughs> it would probably be what he wants. That would be nice. That would be nice, but it's certainly not a, not a necessity. There's always indoor space available. Yeah. And then hopefully, hopefully reach out to him after MLS cup because uh, you know, he's, he's a little busy until, uh, until then, hopefully. <laughs> So. let's hope so we got another we got another big one on wednesday so we got to get through wednesday before we even start thinking about the next one what are you guys in four right now you guys in fourth right we now? are in fifth, fifth. uh oh. but i think there's four points between second and eighth place i believe yeah the west is really it's crazy it's, it's crazy i mean the east is too i mean nycfc atlanta philadelphia they're all yep. they're all humming along you know uh and we'll it's, uh we'll do another mls podcast by the way i want i would love to talk mls with todd but I know that he can't really speak about MLS because he's kind of in the thick of it right now. And, you know, he's got to kind of focus on, on his, uh, his team and his games and stuff like that. So we will be doing an MLS podcast, uh, I think, with Patty probably in the next couple of days. Uh, and we're actually going to be talking about the, the modern goalkeeping uh, goal kick or whatever you want to call it, uh, where, which is an, not an MLS for some reason right now. Not right now. It'll, it'll come next year. So we have yet to... Even I, to be honest, I haven't even seen too much of it. So, cause we it, don't deal with it on a daily basis. So it's, it's, it's a joy. Um, it's a joy. It's, it's good. If you have goalkeepers that are on the same page with your back line, it's not good when you have goalkeepers that, uh, that are not on the same page with your back line. And they, because this basically what happens is once the ball is played, it can be played to a player inside yeah. the 18 and then, the, and the other team can still rush in. So there's immediate pressure basically. It's, yeah. it's almost like playing a uh, small sided is really what it's like. Well, and I'm anxious to see what happens over the next, which I think is a benefit for us in MLS because we actually get about six months of watching some teams and how they deal with it and what are some pros, what are some cons with it and how to, you know, it's going to change the t- tactically the goal kick and the goal kick press. So uh, we will get about a six month head start and see what's, what works for some clubs and what doesn't work. And uh, before we actually have to institute it next season. 
Well, we'll have you back on to talk about it once, once you've actually had to use it. I mean, my take just before we, I mean, we're going to do the podcast in a couple of days and, you know, we've been going long here, but I just kind of want to say this to you is that I feel like it's going to be beneficial in the youth game because there's so many youth goalkeepers that just bang a ball long and they don't think about where they're distributing the ball. And so anything that's going to help teach them how to pass the ball rather than just strike a ball because especially younger goalkeepers, they just think it's about how far they can hit a goal kick. That's literally one of the first questions I get from like an eight or nine year old. They're like, how far can you hit a goal kick? Yeah. Like, or or a punt. Yeah. Or a punt. And then all this concussion stuff that they keep saying, all that. I'm like, okay, well take punting out of the youth game and you won't have any of the concussions. Yeah. That's all um, you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, that's all the time we got on inside the 18. Remember contact at inside the 18 media.com. If you have a guest suggestion or question that you want us to, uh, to talk about or a topic or whatever. Uh, Todd, thanks for taking the time, man. No problem. No problem. I'm losing my voice. We are out later. Later.